We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Wednesday Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is December 9th. I am Jeff Erickson here, and my co-host guest is... Vlad Settler from Elite Fantasy. Vlad, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Uh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I cannot believe that we are already uh, heading into the fantasy playoffs. I know. I know. It's crazy times. Uh, I know you do both season long and DFS, so we'll talk about that and talk about that split for you and how, how it handles things. Uh, let's start off, though, with the Tuesday night game, a uh, rare Tuesday night game, uh, Baltimore hosting Dallas. Baltimore ran all over Dallas, uh, over 290 rushing yards. A competitive game until the end, though. Um, what you, what were your main takeaways from this game? Man, I uh, I thought the game was going to be even more of a blowout, to be honest. I, I uh, was surprised that Dallas even put up 17 points, and uh, Dalton was able to hit his receivers um, quite frequently with uh, with ease. Um, I actually had the game 34, 17 or 34, 14, and it ended up 34, 17, which is cool. Um, but you know, Lamar Jackson just, it, it, it was inevitable, uh, coming into the season, um, off of that, uh, just unbelievable, uh, fantasy year. Um, there was just no doubt that there was going to be some, some pullback from that. And the, I think that's something that people are going to be looking at and, and talking about next year with Kyler Murray. Um, but you know, it's just been a weird year all around. Um, uh, Lamar Jackson with three weeks left here. Um, you know, even just looking at his schedule, 
Um, you know, they get Jacksonville in week 15, which is nice to be able to pad some stats, maybe even next week against uh, Cleveland in week 14. But yeah, he just looks a little off. I know he was a little hurt earlier in the season, which kept him from really running. But uh, um, I think we saw a little bit more of the Lamar from 2019 in this last game, uh, more so than often, uh, more so than not. And he's just having a tough time hitting his receivers. But even his completion rate really isn't that far off from last year, just I think 2% lower um, than in 2019. Yeah, and I think the thing, the takeaway here is that he's had to try to win with his arm more than his legs in some of the, in some of the other games this year, and has, you know, they've, they've tried to take away running lanes from him, and he hasn't been able to hit his receivers, especially outside the hash marks. Yeah, I was going to say the one promising, uh, the one actual good sign is uh, earlier in the year when uh, there was a, that, the, the injury concern and he wasn't really running, you're looking at these last uh, five box scores and he's basically averaging 13 rushing attempts uh, per game, which is good to see in a, in a couple of scores. He's actually not that far off last year's uh, rushing uh, score total, which was seven. He's at four currently. Right. Uh, so that that could that, that is uh, promising. You know, and you mentioned Kyler Murray and one of the big knock on him lately is he hasn't been getting it done with his legs like he was earlier in the season. All kind of dating back to the Thursday night game against Seattle where he hurt his shoulder. Maybe the, th- the thought being is he doesn't want to take on as much contact or for that matter might even be instructed not to take on as much contact. Yes, that's that's very possible. And also you, you throw in the factor of the matchups, right? I mean, it's uh, it was the, the Patriots, uh, clearly not the defense that we've seen in the past. And the Rams, one of the most stout units uh, in the league this year. Uh, and then they get the Giants this week. So even there, uh, kind of a tough spot, I'm sure. You know, you've got people saying, hey, start your studs. And of course, uh, you're probably going to want to start Kyler Murray this week. But if you have a pretty strong comparable option you have to at least consider it i don't know if it's a case of especially when it comes in the fantasy playoffs you know you don't owe anything to kyler murray to start him just because he was an early pick and because he was so awesome if you have concerns and you have a better option you got to consider it yeah i have him at 10 this week in my ranking yeah Uh, so there there are some uh, possibilities you could pivot to ahead of him but it's usually mostly it's it's mostly the usual suspects so Odds are, if you have Kyler Murray, you probably also don't have probably don't also have Tom Brady. You don't have Josh Allen or yep. even Aaron Rodgers. Most likely, you might you might have Ryan Tannehill. You might have Justin Herbert as a pickup or a super late draft pick. But you, you probably don't have most of the other options. Exactly. That that's pretty much the case. I know in some of the uh, um, the, the national contest competitions where uh, people do end up taking quarterbacks a little earlier sometimes even people double tap them um, in the early round so i have seen some good teams out there with a kyler murray and, uh, and aaron Rodgers. and man i couldn't even imagine having to make that uh, weekly uh, decision on, on something like that yeah um I, I would definitely go rogers this week if i did have that choice mm-hmm. uh, same for sure um let's talk some news and notes christian mccaffrey hey we're gonna get him back it looks great or maybe he comes up with a thigh injury now, too, to add on top of the shoulder that he had and the ankle before that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been rough sledding. I mean, you, you kind of look through that uh, that entire first round and even anyone with a, with a one or two pick, everyone pick either McCaffrey or Barkley. 
Uh, and, and I know, for example, NFFC, I just saw the, the percentage of teams or it was either that or, or the other site, uh, percentage of teams with McCaffrey that made the playoffs, I think it was like 4%. So having the number one pick that a lot of people are always loving doesn't always end up, uh, end up being the right decision. So really stinks for people that have them. Uh, I don't really have any shares of him other than best ball, just because I never really drew that, uh, that first pick. Uh, but you know, for the sake of uh, for him, I would love to see him back and, um, you know, play and have a few nice good games and him be an early pick again next year. Yeah. Hold on to those Mike Davis shares until then, though. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're still alive now, it's funny. You know, it's hard to get the first overall pick. I mean, you've got a one in 12 chance, one in mm-hmm. 14 chance. Um, yeah. And then you finally get it and you barely get to get to play the guy. That's got to be really aggravating. And, and especially and even if you like decide to be contrarian and went Saquon Barkley, it's been even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that that uh, those early rounds just so many uh, uh, ended up being so many landmines. I mean, do you remember? I think in August, maybe a month and a half before the season, there were a lot of high stakes folks, a lot of really sharp guys that we respect and, and gals who were drafting Miles Sanders in the first half of the first round, and, and clearly we know he's talented, but uh, you know he was going like sixth, seventh overall at some point, some drafts. Yeah, that's right, and uh, you know that. That's he's a tough rank right now th- this week too. In fact, I think he's I think he's helped by the fact that it's Jalen Hurts and not Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you look at his his workload the last two weeks, and you have to be concerned. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. And I think at the end of the day, maybe uh, we'll see if, if if Philly really falters here down the stretch and end up making a change uh, with the coach. Hopefully they'll, someone will come in there who recognizes the true talent that Miles Sanders is because he does have the capability of delivering first round value if he's, uh, if he's utilized properly. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it really sucks to see. Yeah. I'm looking at early drafts. I mean, he was taken third overall in some respects right after Mac McCaffrey and Elliott. That's, that's rough. Or Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the first round and you could make a case that like four picks have, uh, have paid off. That's it. Mm-hmm. There, there's Dalvin Cook, obviously, Alvin Kamara, obviously, even though we've got problems with him the last couple of weeks. Uh, thank, thank you, Taysom Hill, for that. Uh, Devontae Adams, that's worked out just fine. And, of course, Derrick Henry. Um, and that's it. You know, pretty much every other first-round pick has had its problems. Like Zeke, he's played the whole time, but he hasn't delivered what we'd expect. Yeah, it really is. I mean, even if you extend that out to the second round and you've got guys like, uh, you know, I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire ended up being a first rounder. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just got into the playoffs with him as my first pick. I took him fifth overall or sixth, I think, right before Dalvin Cook. Uh, definitely regret that. Um, you know, Aaron Jones hasn't, you know, it's been the Aaron Rodgers show, so he hasn't really been, uh, uh, you know, even dealt with some injuries. Kenyon Drake had the first half slide. Josh Jacobs spent some time injured and has been really inconsistent. Austin Eckler missed half the year. Um, Chubb missed a you know, month. Uh, Mitch, not even talking about Mixon. Talk about Mixon? Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. It's really brutal. So do you think next year's draft strategy changes? I mean, this year we saw drafts where it was like 10 out of 12 players were running backs. Do you think that changes next year? Uh, a little bit. I think there's always there's a little, always a little bit of balance. I think 
there are going to be people falsely claiming that uh, I don't I don't know about if, if it's quite falsely, but there's all there will always be the zero uh, running back folks uh, that movement that just you know people that just say you know grab your reliant at reliable receivers early and then just you know mix it up later because it's just such a crapshoot. But hey, I mean wide receiver is a crapshoot. I mean you're looking around at uh, uh, you know Julio Jones. Yeah, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin. I mean, it's Beckham. I mean, this is happening everywhere at every position. So, um, yeah, we'll probably see like Metcalf probably slide there into the first. Uh, Devontae Adams won't be a back end first rounder. He'll probably be more like a, you know, like a top four pick. Um, But I think for the most part, it's always you're always going to kind of see the running backs in there. Yeah. Speaking of Thomas, he was uh, he he, he was. uh he he was he didn't he was not seen at practice uh, uh, today. I think it's probably a little extra maintenance. Is uh, you know it seems like that's a kind of a common Wednesday thing. But you know Thomas was supposed to be okay. Running backs, you know they have a higher ceiling and all that. But you know Thomas is the safe guy. He's your floor guy until he isn't. Yeah, there there really is something to it. That like I mean I would love to just kind of look back and do a study on this. Like how many times has a has a running back or even receiver repeated as uh, the number one the following year, right? We had like maybe Antonio Brown there for a couple years, um, but running back, it's always a revolving door. And so for me going into drafts this year, I personally was not into Michael Thomas, not for any specific reason other than, I mean, he was like a fifth overall pick. And for the most part, I'm thinking back end of the first Devonte Adams has just as good of a chance as being the number one. I, I guess I'm kind of a, a lot more interested in him. And so that's what ended up happening. Uh, a lot of teams that have done well for me where when I had a back end pick uh, of the first round ended up with Adams and, you know, just got lucky on the right uh, uh, running back where yeah. I didn't have a Mixon or a Eckler. Yeah. Jones was fine for, for what, you know, mm-hmm. he, he may not have earned like first round value, but he's, fine you know he, he, he that's what you he gave you what you needed from that he missed a couple of games but you've gotten a decent amount of scores i mean you've gotten some you know you you've gotten a, a decent floor of production uh whereas you know mixon's been a disaster josh jacobs has been you know a, a level below uh what jones has provided so it, it, that makes it a lot tougher too so um, and, and by the way, we haven't even talked about Derrick Henry, who pretty much every year you'll have a faction of people who are like, oh, no, this year everything falls off too many mileage, you know, too much mileage. And how many times have we been in a draft and he just fall, you know, this past year where he just falls to like pick 10? You're like, oh, OK, I'll, I guess I'll take him. And then midway through the year, you're like, damn right, I took him. Yeah. Yeah. Planned all along. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so acknowledging this volatility, uh, do you. Are we changing how we draft next year at all? Are you are you trying to get later in the later in the first round and setting your KDS? Or are you trying to uh, think about how how to build your team a little differently? Or is that just the nature of the beast in fantasy football? I, I think every year kind of develops a, a different landscape. But I'm always catching myself. Um, maybe it's the Lindy plan from baseball, but I'm always happy to draft at the back end. Like every time I'm, I'm setting my KDS uh, for you know for NFFC or NFBC, I, I always end up liking so much at the back end where I'm getting two picks in the top 14, two picks in the top 16. And I'm good with that. And, um, you know, maybe this year's targets were not exactly correct. Like I was happy with getting two of, uh, uh Devonte Adams, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, and Austin Eckler. And that didn't quite pan out, but the, the idea remains. And I think this year, the same thing. I think there's going to be good fallen value there at the back end of the first round. And the more drafts you do, you get a different mix of those guys, which I think is cool. 
And I don't know, just it's weird. Something always happens uh, to someone uh, among those top guys. So I don't know if I necessarily love always, you know, having a first round pick. It's it's not what it's cracked up to be uh, like it was in the Ladanian Tomlinson shot Alexander days. Right, right. You know, they're, they're, the reason why we had third round reversal in the first place was the overwhelming advantage you had from getting an early pick. But you can go even farther back, like Emmett Smith days, you know, uh, he, yeah. he had he was such a huge advantage over the field. You know, you had to do something to meet out that meet that out a little bit there. Um, I still think we. I, I still prefer third round reversal in drafts. I do like that. Like my home league, we do third round reversal in a fourteen team league, and we do like and it's just. But it's like a slow draft of draft spots, and it's it's interesting to see the differing philosophies. And I think you know next year you're going to see a lot of people like the people that get to choose first are going to choose twelve, thirteen, fourteen pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's the that's the beauty of that back end first round pick in the NFFC format is that third round reversal is you know you're you're picking first in the third round so you've got three picks in the top twenty five that's a beautiful thing and many times when you try to map out a draft and you're looking at you know pick twelve thirteen and twenty five versus uh, you know one twenty four and then thirty six or whatever it is uh, it's it's you know it, you're not really getting the same value the same trio that's right. Um, quick note before we move on, talk more news and notes, and then start discussing more of the quarterbacks for this week. Uh, smart sports bettors always know where to find the best odds before placing a bet, and that's why smart bettors use PropSwap. You can always find the best odds on PropSwap because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. PropSwap sellers are always willing to negotiate, and we all know bookies never will. And for a limited time, our listeners can get up to $500 in bonus cash. Just use the promo code ROTO500. That's promo code ROTO500, and PropSwap will match your first deposit up to $500. Become a smarter sports better today. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Vlad Settler from Elite Fantasy Sports. Uh, Vlad, I know uh, you are like the QB court, uh, the QB, uh, I was going to say QB quarterback. That'd be redundant. The QB uh <laughs> Coach, coach at Elite Fantasy, and uh, you, you come out with your your article every week. And from what I'm reading, you like Justin Herbert a lot this week. I do, I do. I think um, at least as far as in, in season long, obviously depending on who else you may have on your roster, perhaps you have a tougher decision. Uh, but I think the first thing that sticks out is a matchup against the Atlanta secondary, uh, and it just. They're a pass funnel. They're, uh, you know, even the, the guys in their secondary are just um, really graded out among among uh, the worst, just in terms of catch percentage um, allowed, uh, you know, points per per target. Just just so many things, and obviously they're one of the three teams allowing more than 275 passing yards per game. You've got a, a really tight total here, I believe two and a, two and a half, where uh, the the Chargers are road uh, underdogs actually, and just I really love the the, the coming off a of bad game type of situation, and, and obviously it couldn't get any worse for Herbert and the Chargers last week getting shut out by the Patriots, 45 to nothing, um, and this is just a much better spot, obviously. Very tough to run against Atlanta. Uh, the you know that run stopping unit is really strong. They're a top seven unit, I'd say. Um, and so passing is really the only uh, the way to, to, to get there. Um, opens up Mike Williams a little bit. Um, obviously, Keenan Allen to get his double digit targets again. You've got a healthy Austin Eckler. You've got Ballage probably back in there to, to grind a little bit. So uh, I really like the way this sets up for Justin Herbert this week. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I was reading through your article, and you know, one of the things that, that caught me too is, and this, a lot of this is a lot of this advice is geared towards DFS too, and we, we can cover both, but uh, that you, you really like them uh, in like a GPP format and a cash format. Uh, it, it's kind of a his swing for the fences, but you think he's still got a good enough floor too. That's right, because he does offer a little bit of rushing upside, and that's something we've seen this year. Obviously, in DFS, if you're you're targeting quarterbacks, like even Cam can throw for 100 yards, but still hit value on his DFS salary because he gets in, you know, rushes for 60 yards and, and scores once or twice. And so those guys like Kyler Murray, Sean um, Watson, those guys that run Lamar Jackson run a little bit, they're expensive in DFS for a reason. Uh, and Justin Herbert does do a little bit of that. I think he's got a few rushing touchdowns on the year too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So uh, yeah, I think the only, the only concern with him, I I would probably say more of a GPP than cash play in general, just because there are a lot of good quarterbacks on playing on Sunday and there are no bye weeks. So you've got, you know, you know, just a multitude of options. And when you're really coming down to it, there's always some, at least in DFS, there's always some quarterback that's so incredibly cheap and in like a perfect matchup that where you're able to get in your expensive running backs and receivers and, and, and get more more solid guys there, you can get 20, 25 points out of a cheap guy. Yeah. Is Andy Dalton that cheap guy this week going against my Bengals? I don't know. I mean, you know, the narrative thing is always something I try not to get too wrapped up in. Um, you know, as a lot of narratives are false. I mean, you know, a lot of times just because a guy played for a different team doesn't necessarily mean that uh, he's got some sort of revenge factor going. But I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, the Bengals are your team. I mean, I mean, do, do you think that Dalton kind of feels slighted with the way things ended there? And uh, but do you think he might take it out on the field? And I guess I could defer to you for that. Yeah, well, I'm less less. Uh, motivated by the revenge game factor and more just that the Bengals defense is pretty shaky, that their secondary is yeah. banged up. They've had three healthy corners. They looks like they might be getting Darius Phillips back, so they have a little bit more depth there. But this is a bad secondary. Yeah, and this could be one of those games where the the the, uh, the 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 lines on both sides and the defenses are just shaky enough, and the offenses, at least on Dallas's side, is strong enough that I think there could be some points put up here. Uh, my only concern with Dalton is if it just becomes a, a Zeke Pollard game because you know if, if if they're just pounding the rock and, and and getting the carries at the goal line, you know maybe Dalton ends up with just like one passing touchdown instead of the upside of potential four. So that's kind of the tough thinking there to do yeah for sure and uh so yeah it always you know we're always looking for those uh cheaper options there someone to take a chance on here uh you know maybe maybe it's the jets and sam darnold against uh against the seahawks seahawks have been slightly better lately too defensively uh but man you really have to hold your nose at sam darnold but i mean he's got three decent wideouts you know i really liked what i saw at denzel mims lately uh, that mm-hmm. Charger game is where it really started to stand out. Perriman was a disappointment last week against the Raiders. Crowder is instead the guy that ate. Uh, but I kind of see, like, if you're really looking to go cheap, that's maybe not a bad option. Yeah, you know, it it, it, it may not be. Uh, I think as of this recording, Denzel Mims has had some family emergency situation. I assume that he'll probably be back for game time. Uh, but obviously that would uh, help 
the prospects of uh, possibly playing uh, and using Darnold in, in, in DFS. But I mean, the, the game script, the matchup sets up beautifully for it, really. I mean, we saw what happened. Uh, yeah, Darnold got sacked a couple times, fumbled and threw interceptions like uh, he usually would. Um, you know, Raiders defense did put up some points and Seattle might too, but Darnold could get his points as well here. So, uh, you, you, yes, Seattle's defense is not giving up 350 yards a game like they were earlier in the year. But then you kind of look at the last three weeks, the, the situations there. You had Colt McCoy last week, who probably wasn't going to get much done as is. Um, Carson Wentz, who's just been one of the most horrendous quarterbacks this season. And then yeah. Kyler got hurt in the previous game. So that's kind of the tale there. Uh, it could be sneaky. It could work. If Mims is back there, that's a good thing. Um, and yeah, I think it's a, it's worth a, worth a dart throw. I think it's a good time to bring this up. You spend a lot of time on both DFS and on, uh, and in season long, especially high stakes. How would you, uh, estimate like your, your mind share? Like how much of your time spent on DFS, how much of it's on season long and how different are those skill sets? Uh, man, so it, it, it shifts throughout the course of the week. I think early on it's, um, it, it's getting, it, it's almost n- neither. It's getting a, a, a feel for all the games, the matchups. I like to, uh, project the, uh, the Vegas spreads and the totals myself before looking at them just so that, uh, well, just test to the test my, we do that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just test the act at my accuracy and also just get a feel for something. If I think a game, uh, if my total ends up a few points higher than what is in Vegas and like, Hey, that's probably a game I like. Uh, more than the public. So um, I start figuring out the games early. And because I have a an article on quarterbacks and, and pretty much one of the first articles of the week anywhere with us with in-depth analysis, I really need to have a good handle of things by like Tuesday, you know, before people are even really in, you know, practicing and we don't know who's injured and whatnot. So um, and then got to go straight into waivers. And so then I really start looking at every game matchups, figure out who my uh, my, my free agent bids are. So I kind of shift to a, a season long focus. And then after bids are done, starting Thursday, it's just really um, hardcore DFS, just like figuring out, um, you know, sort of mapping out the game scripts, projecting uh, where I think the points are, where the values are, start looking at ownership percentages. So um, so it's really a balance. But I think the the season-long stuff just comes from a by, is a byproduct of my DFS prep. So doing all the DFS work throughout the week just helps me make, e- I guess, easier decisions in, in, in season-long. That's cool. Uh now it's playoff time too, and especially if you're in a national contest like uh, the uh, NFFC, does your approach change at all in the playoffs? Do you start looking more at what your opponent's doing? Does that even factor at all? Is there? Do you start thinking floor versus ceiling, depending on whether you're favorite or uh, uh, or an underdog? How, how do you approach things in the playoffs? So, so it's different. I mean, I've got my, my, my 20 year standing, uh, uh, league home league, um, with, with, you know, a bunch of friends in it and, and, uh, and your colleague, uh, our friend Scott Jonestead's in that league. Um, and in that league, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a weekly matchup scenario and I'm just trying to put together the best lineup I can. And NFFC, because you're not really playing anyone, you know, the way they do it there is they'll take your average score for weeks one through 13, whatever it is, like 150 or 170, and then just add weeks 15, uh, 14, 15, 16 on top of that. So I'm looking to catch lightning in a bottle. I'm looking for for upside. I'm less concerned about floor because the prizes there are top heavy. You know, if, if I want to win uh, 200 grand or 150 grand, 
I got to, you know, I got to put the guys out who have the potential for, for really big games. So I'm not worried about, about floor because at this point I've already won uh, whatever league money I'm in or, you know, that I won. And now I'm just focusing on like, you know, the, the very high end approach. So, um, and, and you remember with me, what is it? Three, four years ago, uh, my decision with Adam Thielen, uh, this was his breakout year or he was breaking out towards the end of the, yep. you know, the year. And I picked him up off fab, I think like week 10 and used him maybe once. And then that week 16, I had a tough decision. It was like Deshaun Jackson, Thielen and someone else. And I was top five in the NFFC as the closest I've come to winning it all. And I just decided I was going to go with Deshaun Jackson. You know, he's fast can break, you know, break quickly. Uh, lo and behold, it was, uh, it was the wrong decision. It was the game where I think Thielen put up like 40, 50 something fantasy points. And I would have, would have taken it all down. And at that point, somewhat of an unknown, it was just a, it was a tough decision to make, but in hindsight, the matchup was perfect. Uh, you know, there's somebody injured there like Diggs, maybe. And it just, you know, in, in hindsight, that type of thing made sense. So I think in the future I'll be kind of looking more for, for upside. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, the one thing that's tricky, like in these national contests, you can't, there's waivers are closed. You can't pick up any more of these. Yeah. Guys, so you have to have them already on your roster, but, and hope the injuries play out well. I, I've seen teams that have just been decimated in the playoffs uh, by injuries. I had that happen one time. Uh, last year, I had a really good classic team and, you know, lost DJ Moore to a concussion, lost uh, Mike Evans to an injury, to that hamstring injury. And that mm-hmm. happens and you just have to get stuck with lesser players. And, you know, that, that, your, your fate's almost decided for you then. But, uh, yeah, it, it's always good to kind of th- think about that pro- that approach, especially if you've already kind of got house money there a little bit. Yeah, and what's cool is sometimes uh, you just kind of luck into something good. Like uh, you remember, what was it, Brashard Perriman last year in the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> you know, See, so sometimes that happens. One door closes, another opens. Yep. yep, yep, just not Mike Boone, I guess, right? Yeah, no, not so much. Um, uh couple other guys I want to ask about quarterbacks since we you already spent a lot of time on them this week. What are you doing with Cam? I know that, you know, in mm. DFS you're not using him because it's uh, these, the Thursday night game. But in season long, he's got 11 rushing touchdowns, had a lot of, you know, put up some a good number last week against the Chargers. But it's a short week against the Rams this week. And he's not throwing the ball very well at all. In fact, you know, he's throwing it really poorly. Only five passing touchdowns all year. Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot. I mean, you know, as always, it depends on um, you know what, what the alternatives are. Uh, but I mean, this is this is the Rams. I mean, this is it, it, you never want to have like a hard and fast rule on anything. But for the most part, I mean, like offensive players against the Rams rarely work out. I mean, maybe you can squeak by in a running back getting some work done. And if it's a, you know, it's, if it's another really good team that might have uh, a closer game script, or they might even have a lead against them. But for the most part, like these are some incredibly amazing shutdown corners here, strong safeties and everything. I mean, just a really tough team to really have a ceiling uh, type of performance against. Um, And then just as far as where the Rams are in uh, against rushing quarterbacks, they're uh, they're a little bit lower the middle of the pack. So they they've allowed basically 180 yards to opposing quarterbacks uh, on the ground, whereas like the Niners, for example, and the Eagles have let in like have let 350. So um, you know, kind of lower expectation there. I mean, it probably can put them down for a rushing touchdown. I could totally see that happening, um, but for the most part, like I'm not necessarily seeing uh, a lot of yards. Um, I have Cam on a couple of teams where I have better alternatives. I'm just going to go that way. All right. Um, I, I have them super low this week in my rankings. I'm just 
I, I'm trying to find uh, lots of different alternatives here. Uh, what game scripts do you like, especially for quarterbacks this week? Uh, let's see. I mean, I think for both Matt Ryan and Justin Herbert, I think uh, it works out pretty well. The fact that Julio Jones is uh, healthy and playing. Uh, it was nice to see him featured last week. Uh, again, that's a game last I saw. It was a 49 and a half total, which to me felt a little low. Uh, maybe part of that with Atlanta uh, playing better defense lately. But, you know, Chargers special teams is horrendous. There could be some uh, some mistakes in that game. So um, I definitely like that one from a from a game game script perspective um and then you know minnesota tampa bay that's one of the higher totals on the uh, vegas yeah. totals on the slate 52 and a half kirk cousins tom brady uh, could definitely be a lot of sling in there and especially with you know i'm i'll be really curious to see what dalvin cook's final um numbers look like at the end of this game because tampa bay is a beast of a run stopping unit and a little bit of a pass funnel and letting um you know a lot of points through the air lately because of injuries so i don't know i think cousins might be interesting too yeah i was just gonna say i wonder if the, the bucks use their bye week to kind of fix their pass defense a little bit there because it has been leaky the rams exploited it the chiefs obviously exploited it saints did as well uh it's been a, a rough month or so for lately for the Bucks, so I wonder if they fix things during the bye a little. Yeah, and, and I also think um, Tennessee Jacksonville might be interesting. I mean, we've seen Mike Glennon um, surprisingly hang in the last couple of weeks, where uh, the teams are even got a lead on Minnesota and set up perfectly for another Cousins Jefferson Thielen smash. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's something I want to ask you: Is uh, Tennessee favored seven and a half on the road? It's the highest total on the second highest total on the slate, 53 and a half. And I mean, does Tennessee just just crush them, just run away with it? Is it just the opposite of the last two weeks? Or could this potentially set up because Tennessee's pass defense is so bad? They've allowed the most passing touchdowns in the league. Like, is is Glennon possibly in play this week? Could be. I mean, it's a stretch because Glennon's a, a walking turnover machine. But Tennessee also doesn't generate much of, much of a pass rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, they they got that lead against the Colts, and the Colts are probably not a great team to uh, try to, to pull off comebacks with. I know Adoree Jackson might come back at some point for the Titans, and that will help tight, tighten up a little bit of their pass defense. But, I, you know, they could have Darrell Revis out there and, and his clone, and they still might get passed on a lot just because they, they're not getting any sort of pass rush. Clowney's out for the year. I, I think they're kind of in trouble a little bit. Yeah, and just the fact that this uh, this game is again one of the higher totals. I mean, these both of these defenses are bottom five in in pass DVOA, uh, in in defense versus the position of quarterback, in fantasy points allowed a quarterback. Like this, just looking, you know, you're seeing all green here as far as uh, 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 the passing games here. So it could be interesting. Yeah, it sure could. Um... Before we talk any other games and all that, quick other note from our other sponsor, other sponsor BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month Rotowire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website, and once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only, please. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 
1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, talking uh, news and notes here with Vlad Settler, my guest from Elite Fantasy Sports, and uh, lots of stuff going on. We mentioned the uh, Christian McCaffrey news. We might get DeAndre Swift back this week, Vlad. Uh, He was a limited participant in today's practice. He's had this illness, which was non-COVID, but it came on the heels of a concussion prior to that there. And, you know, you had Adrian Peterson saying, like, well, he doesn't look like he's himself and all that. It's kind of worrisome. It is. It's really worrisome. I mean, beyond a fantasy perspective, just uh, that note last week was really kind of kind of scary to, to, to see it here. And you're almost wondering if if I mean, obviously, we're not we're not doctors and we're not there. So we don't know the, the situation. But I mean, hey, if 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 he needs to not play, then then, then so be it. So and even then, even if he does. Um, unless we're seeing absolutely glowing reports of, wow, he's just completely recovered and fine and everything's good. I mean, chances are, even if he's active, we could see a, a, a Clyde Edwards Hilaire type situation or, uh, from last week where he was active and didn't play, or just maybe a few packages, just to, you know, just a little bit of snaps, but maybe not fully featured. And we have the new loop thrown into it. The fact that uh, there's a new coaching staff there, or at least right. no longer Patricia. So that really throws another wrench into things. Yeah, and that's the thing. Chris and I were talking about this on the show. Like, you know, is there that dead cat bounce with new coaches? We've seen it with Atlanta. We've seen it uh, with uh, Houston. And, you know, last week Detroit rallied. You know, could we also see it for the Jets? No more Greg Williams, you know, lose, you know, changing up a coordinator that made a horrific call. You know, these these are interesting things to kind of deal with there and try to, like, how much do things change? Is it just an emotional switch or can it actually be schematic, too? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, th- those are definitely interesting situations for us uh, for us to look into. But uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, my, my assumption would be if there was any concern with Swift at all. I mean, you know, there, there, it probably would be unwise to risk it, especially somebody who's so uh, talented and is going to have such a big impact on that team for the next few years. Exactly. Another interesting situation is in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, not ready to return yet, won't play this week against Dallas. Dallas, we just talked about this earlier in the podcast. Dallas gave up over 290 rushing yards to the Ravens. Does that make Giovanni Bernard an interesting play, or is this the Bengals' offense too too impotent? Oh, man. it's uh, it, it possibly does because, um, I mean, last I saw that Brandon Allen had a chest injury, right, and it might be Ryan Finley back in there. Right. Uh, and I think that is a tiny bit better for Joe Bernard, but either way, it's, you know, it's a horrendous offensive line, um, against a you know pretty bad defensive line as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the matchup at least is all right because Dallas is just getting shredded, uh, you know, top three in, in rushing yards allowed. He's getting, you know, he's getting a lot of work. He's catching passes. Uh, so I think if Finley's in there, he's a little bit more interesting. Uh, if you got to play him in a flex spot. Uh, you know, it, it, it could possibly work. You could end up squeezing uh, 12 to 16 fantasy PPR points out of him. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Williams, their left tackle, is put on IR. He's got a knee injury. Hasn't had a great year. He was their first-round pick last year and sat out the full season. And it's been growing pains this year for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough sledding. And I'm really curious what, uh, what the um, interest will be on Joe Mixon next year and where he's going to fall. If he's going to be somebody that's like really falls back to being like a third, fourth rounder, or if he still has some respect as like maybe a late second rounder. Yeah. 
Uh, Daniel Jones, limited at a walkthrough today. Uh, he's got the hamstring injury. Earlier in the week, Joe Judge had said that he uh, Jones will have every opportunity to return this week against the Cardinals. I think it's a pretty big difference between he and Colt McCoy. Uh, they didn't ask much out of McCoy last week. I think that changes a little bit uh, this week. I think they'll need a little bit more out of him against the Cardinals. Yes, it would make a big difference. I actually think that Jones is going to play. I think he'll be ready for the game, and that will actually make it competitive. Um, I think if Colt McCoy is in there, it's going to be just a, a, a thrashing um, in the hands of the you know by the Cardinals on the Giants. Uh, but otherwise, I mean. The one interesting thing about the Giants is nobody's really respecting how good their defense is, or at least that's what I'm noticing. I mean, they were in DFS. They were like minimum salary, and I used them. They were like 3% uh, rostered uh, nice. last week. They were minimum salary, and it's like, why would you play them against the Seahawks? And then, you know, I actually fell asleep during that game. <laughs> I took a nap, but I woke up. I was like, oh, low scoring. I'm not surprised. Whoa, they won? So, you know, that's interesting. The Giants are really, uh, really a, a, a tough Defense. I think they've only allowed more than 25 real life points twice all season, if I'm not mistaken. So um, this would be one of those games where I'd ha- I forget what the uh, the uh, over under is at this point, but this feels like it might be uh, an under here. Yeah, and it started off pretty low to begin with too. I think it started off at 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that's not it's expected to be high flying. It's not Tennessee Jacksonville, that's for sure. Uh, I have Kyler Murray at 10 among my rankings. I, you know, trying to figure out like the running backs for the Cardinals and Kenny and Drake gets the usage, but Edmonds is better, but they mm-hmm. just, you know, Drake still gets all that goal line work. So he seems like he ends up getting, being the more valuable fantasy back. It's always uh kind of a frustrating deal to watch that too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's really something. And it, it, it's interesting to think about how, how, where we were just three and a half months ago before the season started. And Drake was like, yeah, I mean, sure, he was polarizing in, in some respects. There were a lot of people that wouldn't touch him um, at the end of the first round, early second, and then others that were. Then I think he got injured right around, uh, you know, before the season started, or at least was a little dinged up. So that dropped them back, I think, a little bit in um, in average draft position. But I think a lot of people are, are in um, we're all in the same boat. Like everybody loves uh, Edmonds and everyone thinks he'll be good. And, you know, you, you get him as a featured back on a team, he would be uh, probably fantastic. But I really like him in, in this role. Obviously, he's not really racking up the fantasy points, but, you know, maybe he is one of those guys that isn't ideal as a featured guy, but just more that's just going to do a lot of damage on, on third downs and, you know, as a change of pace guy. Yeah. A couple more notes. Uh, Antonio Gibson looks like he's not going to be able to go. He's the, the talk now is doubtful about his turf toe injury that let, let, caused him to leave early, destroying a lot of teams in their last push to try to make the playoffs last week. A first quarter injury is always devastating like that. Uh, you know, how big are you going to be on J.D. McKissick this week against the Niners? Oh, man, um, I uh, in, in DFS uh, actually ended up having a good day on that Monday night, that two gamer. Because I just I I went with McKissick because of the game flow. They were playing Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, Gibson was coming off of a big week. It was going to be very popular and very highly used. But it just seemed like one of the. I mean, obviously nobody could predict the injury, but it just seemed like one of those opportunities where Washington would probably be chasing, and he could just rack up a lot of catches in PPR. He's fantastic. Um, so this is another one of those weeks where I guess that's possible, right? I mean, it's probably if Washington has a lead, they'll be pounding with Peyton Barber. He'll probably be the guy that gets the goal line carries. Uh, but other than that, I mean, otherwise, unless you see Logan Thomas catching another nine, 10 balls, 
um, it'll probably be McKissick actually throwing up uh, some good fantasy value in PPR formats. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I think I'm going to probably not be as big on Logan Thomas. I think that was lightning in a bottle. I think he's solid. I just don't think he's going to be like, I I think he's going to be like, everyone's going to rush to go, you know, catch last week's production when I don't think that's coming. I got one for you Uh, in my NFFC in playoff team. My I lost George Kittle, so I've been scrambling with uh, with tight ends. So the two that I'm stuck with for the rest of the year are Logan Thomas and Jordan Aikens. And Aikens, you know, they get the Bears; they're a little bit um, easier uh, or a, a little bit. They give up more fantasy points to tight ends, obviously the the Bears do than uh, than San Francisco. Um, I played Aikens last week, and I sat Logan Thomas. I still got in the playoffs, luckily. What do I do this week? Logan Thomas at San Francisco or Aikens against the Bears? You know, every time I want to, you know, I think it's it's Jordan Aikens' time. He does nothing. You know, like for instance, the Thanksgiving game against Detroit. I was like, oh, this is good. This is great for Aikens. There's no Randall Cobb. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I'm, it's gonna they're gonna throw to Aikens a lot. He drops one in the end zone, and that was like his only target all day. It's like, come on. You know, last week obviously they're fl- they're playing the Colts, and that's a lot tougher than some of the other. You know other matchups but i think i'm leaning towards thomas in this instance yeah yeah I, that's that's what i have in my lineup now but it's going to be one of those where you know you you know you, you flip it and then akins has the good game on the bench and then logan thomas you know it's funny how we play fantasy I always think it's we always think it's like personal yeah uh, that's right he did this to me he owes me or screw <laughs> that guy yeah exactly I, can right. i can i ask you another one while yeah, we're on the ahead. show here uh jameson crowder at seattle or uh michael Pittman at the raiders Oh man, I mean Crowder, it's just so hit and miss, uh, which is weird to say. He used to be the floor guy, and now he's he's now more just intermittent. You know, it's based on TD luck almost. Uh, Pittman's targets have also gone down too lately. I think the Colts might run the ball a little bit more. I think I go Crowder. What say you? That's who I have in my lineup currently. I for some reason I love Michael Pittman. I really want to see him like be uh, you know be a thing and 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 so yeah it's it, I guess it's a good problem to have when you have good bench depth and you have to sit him. But I just I hate seeing him on my bench every week and then he'll you know end up having that big game. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, yeah, so that 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 one that one's tricky. Finally, James Robinson. Do you have any of him in your life? Did you get him in any of your leagues? Oh my goodness, I my. Um, uh, uh, analyst card should be stripped because I ended up underbidding on him and going quote unquote contrarian with uh, uh, Ozigbo or Xebo oh, no. divine. Right. I mean, he was way cheaper. I'm like, you know, what are the, what are the odds of James Robinson intervention on that one? <laughs> I mean, what are the chances James Robinson's going to be a quote unquote league winner? Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Well, Robinson was uh, limited today, expected to be a full go on Sunday. It's more just seems like a, a maintenance issue more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, no specific injury for his limitations. Uh, and again, I like the matchup against Tennessee. Now, granted, I like passing against them more than running, but I still like it regardless. He just gets his points every week, no matter the matchup. It's crazy. Like, no game script doesn't matter. Nothing. He's, he's you know, catching four or five balls. He's like, you know, usually has like 40 yards in the first quarter. I mean, he's just a beast. He's just steady. Just so solid. Getting, yeah, like you said, he's, he's every down, every week, he's always doing something. And and the the uh, opportunity share, right? I mean, isn't he like pretty much, he's like the only running back in the league or something like the highest percentage of, um, of, of his team's touches pretty much at the position. Right. Yeah, pretty much. So I love that too. 
All right, we'll close on that note. Let everybody know what you uh, they can find your work, Vlad, uh, what you want people to see uh, from your work. I know you do the QB coaching, among other things. Yeah, so yeah, QB coach, a uh, couple articles I do a week over on EliteFantasy.com. The, uh, the, uh, our, it's our, our DFS uh, daily fantasy site. Uh, I'll be doing a little bit of uh, basketball there as well. And then, uh, you know, as we get ready for that and then fantasyguru.com is our sister site, uh, for, uh, some of the season long work. And, uh, that's where my, uh, my waiver columns will be for baseball. And I do a, a from the gut column, uh, during the course of the football season. And then on Twitter, I'm at uh, roto gut. So which I used to call so. roto goot, but it's oh, yeah. gut. Uh, oh yeah. So, everybody check that out. Vlad. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, Vlad Settler, everybody, uh, thank you for uh, listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. So please subscribe, rate, and review as always. Uh, we got uh, Mario and John tomorrow. Uh, please tune in for that and have a great day. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.